Well, good morning, Journey Church. How are we all doing today? I pray that you're all doing well. Uh, please, those that are here, give me uh, help me to welcome those that are joining us online today. We appreciate them joining with us. Have you all been enjoying this series, Big Questions? I got one definitive one anyway. So a couple weeks ago, we started with Pastor Mike looked at, uh, is Scripture reliable? You know, are there errors in the Bible? And so I think he did a wonderful job of kind of walking us through the evidence to show that, yes, in fact, we can trust that the Word of God is from him. Um, I personally look at, if I have a God that created the universe with trillions of stars in it, I think he could manage to get a book written and then kind of keep it around for us to read. But that's kind of just me. Um, last week, we had... Uh, looking into why do bad things happen to good people. And so Pastor Mike kind of walked us through, we live in a fallen world, and so part of that was that, you know, death and disease are part of that, but we also have hope of a future glory in heaven. And so this week, I'm kind of taking that thought and kind of extending it and unpacking it kind of at a different level as we kind of look at our big question this week is, why doesn't God heal everyone? Because we can look at uh, scripture verses and we see in John 14, 13, it says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. This is Jesus speaking. And so I think we all know of a case where we have prayed maybe for healing and it didn't happen. So does that mean there's a contradiction here? Is God's word really not true? And I think we've already shown that that it isn't. So it's going to cause us to maybe dig a little deeper here and look at what's going on. Because I read the verse in uh, James 5, 14 through 15, and I think, well, maybe we just weren't doing this right. It says, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. We at Journey, we believe in the, the power of prayer. We believe in the God will heal. We do as elders come together and pray over individuals, but sometimes even in those cases, the individual is not healed. So again, we're kind of left with what's going on here, and that's what we're going to kind of try to unpack a little bit more. But back to the we do believe in prayer, just a personal story from me. Um, at the age of 40, I had just moved to the UK um, at a new job. We had a church that we were just beginning to get plugged into, but I had to go on a deployment over to, to Germany. Somebody had to do it. Um, and I woke up in my hotel room one morning, and I was essentially blind in my right eye. It was like staring through a glass of salt water. And um, as a pilot, that kind of freaks you out a little bit because it kind of means you're never going to fly again. So I went to the doctor, and then he took me to a specialist. And as he's looking at my eye, and he's kind of humming and hawing and wasn't really wanting to offer me false hope, but said, you know, in, in several months from now, it may fix itself, but I'm probably going to have to go in there with a laser and, and, and fix it. Because uh, what he had diagnosed me with, pardon me while I read this, central serous retinopathy. Basically, it means uh, the hatch just blew. Got a small hole behind my retina. It is filling up with body fluid, so in essence, I was staring through a glass of salt water, um, and I honestly could not see my hand in front of my face. Um, 
But if you did go seal it with the laser, it was going to probably leave some scarring, and so I was going to have some wonky vision for the rest of my life. That's kind of a UK word for it's not going to be very good. Um, so I uh, called my dad, who was a deacon in church. Um, he got the other deacons together, got talked to his congregation, and they all start praying for me. Um, Two months later, what was supposed to have taken multiple months, if ever, I woke up one morning and I perfect vision. It had completely gone away and healed itself. I went back to the doctor and he had to go clear me to fly and he's kind of humming and hawing again. He was agnostic at best, but he's going, I don't know how this happened. I'm like, well, let me tell you how this happened. And so I was able to, you know, call back to my dad's congregation and uh, they were able to praise God for answered prayer, and that has never come back again. Um, typically, if you have it once, you're going to have a recurrence of it. Um, I'm several years older than 40 now, so I'm going to tell you that it's proven to be pretty well. So, we believe in prayer here at Journey. If you would like to request the elders, you can put that on your prayer request in the seat back. I'd encourage you to come forward when you talk to the prayer team. Just let them know or go to the VIP team in the back, and we would be happy to get you and uh, go pray over you. But before I continue to unpack this, go ahead, let's uh, just let me start with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, the ability to come here. Lord, uh, you know the weakness that I'm in right now. And Lord, I just pray uh, you would come to the fore. Your word promises that uh, your power is made perfect in our weakness. So I acknowledge my weakness, Lord. I just pray that you will work and move. In Jesus' name, amen. So today is a little bit different. Um, we're trying to do a few things. We're calling this kind of a Celebrate Recovery Sunday. Tomorrow night we're celebrating our sixth year as the River Region Celebrate Recovery here at Journey Church. Yes, that's good. And so if you've ever thought of giving that a try, tomorrow night would be the perfect time to do that. There'll be some uh, short story, uh, testimonies on life change that have happened over the course of this last year. Lots of giveaways, just really a, a celebration. So in doing something a little different today, I've invited one of my brothers and sisters in Christ in our CR family uh, to lead us through what we call the road to recovery. It's uh, the eight principles based on the Beatitudes, which is something that we do um, on Monday nights before our meetings. But I'll let them introduce themselves. If you would stand, this is the audience participation part of today's message, and I'll let them talk for now. Good morning. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, beautiful daughter of the King. I celebrate recovery from alcohol and drugs, and I still search for his recovery on life issues. My name is Melinda. Good morning. I'm a faithful follower of Christ. <clears throat> I'm in recovery for drugs and alcohol, currently working on pride and codependence. My name is John. Hi, John. I'm going to read the verses, and Melinda is going to read the principles. So, men, if you will follow after, follow after me, and ladies, after Melinda. Are we ready, ladies? R, realize I'm not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor, Matthew 5, 3. E, Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, 4. C. 
consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Happier than me, Matthew 5, 5. Oh, openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Happier are the pure in heart, Matthew 5, 8. B, voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires, Matthew 5, 6. E, evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. Happy are the merciful, Matthew 5, 7. Happy are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, 9. R, reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and gain the power to follow his will. If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8, 31, 32. Why? Yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. Matthew 5, 10. All right. Thank you, Melinda and John. You all may be seated. Hopefully you enjoyed being able to get the stretch out a little bit this morning. Um, So we we see from that those eight principles are based upon the Beatitudes, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, And I think these contain a clue to answer in this question that we're trying to look at today. It's ideal heart condition of a citizen in God's kingdom. It's a picture of what a disciple of Christ is supposed to really be like. Philippians 2.12 says to keep you know, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's a sanctification process that's supposed to be taking place. And so we look to these Beatitudes really are describing what is ultimate healing in God's eyes. So that doesn't necessarily include physical, but it's more of that holistic person. And so when I look at this, I think the better way to talk about what we're doing is I don't think we're asking the question right. It's not, why doesn't God heal everyone? It's, why didn't he do it the way we want him to do it? First of all, as Pastor Mike kind of talked last week, um, we reap what we sow. God's not going to honor or bless disobedience. Um, If I smoke my entire life, there's a good chance I may develop some lung issues. And that's kind of the consequences of my actions, God will forgive, but he often does not remove the consequences for those actions, just like abusing drugs and alcohol for uh, a long term does a lot of tissue damage, and now it may result in things that affect my body. As we also look at, it's not always God's will to heal people physically. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 talks that we are body, spirit, and soul, and he may be using a physical ailment to try to work in those other two areas of our life. We can see from uh, the verse here in uh, Luke twenty-two forty-two, Christ talking. This is the night before his crucifixion. It says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done and not mine. This is the Son talking to the Father 
who is making a request, but still staying in submission to what the Father's will is. So when we look back at that very first verse that I covered, it says you can ask for anything. Jesus said that he came only to do the will of the Father. So even though I'm asking something in the name of Christ, he's only going to do it if it's in the will of the Father. And this may not be what the Father's will is. Even when we saw from the, the Lord's Prayer, um, the model prayer that we kind of covered under the prayer series not that long ago, you know, it's thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We are in submission to God's will and what he wants to do. And he may have other ideas because it's part of God's plan for his glory and for his sovereign purposes. We can see here from John 9.3, um, there's a gentleman that is blind. The disciples are asking, who sinned that he became blind here? And Jesus re responds that it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. So one, in my personal life, uh, my mother suffered, struggled with uh, Alzheimer's dementia for 10 years. Um, she's passed away seven years ago, so I'll kind of cut a little bit to the chase. But um, my father um, was her primary caregiver, kept her in the home even the last couple years when it got really, really bad. Um, she had kind of lost all ability to interact. She was violent, very verbally abusive when she could talk, and then it was just... Uh, Many people around him encouraged him that you, it's, you've done enough. It's time to, to put her in an assisted living kind of thing. And he went, no. I made a vow, a covenant before God, um, for better or for worse. And so this is that worst part. And this is when I'm supposed to, you know, even more diligently, love is an action, not an emotion. And so... Um, up until the last three, three months, she developed some other health conditions, and so he uh, finally put her in the home across the street in the, where I'm from, but still he spent every waking hour sitting there with her, even when he didn't need to. Um, again, that love in action, Jesus in skin, and he showed me, I think God could use that whole situation for his glory, where I got to watch um, the very good example. So at my mom's funeral, the pastor and others who got up and spoke, they said, we've never seen a better example of God's love in action than from here. Um, and so as I continue <laughs> this story, um, Tuesday is normally when I sit down to start getting ready to work on sermon prep. And uh, we were coming back from Birmingham as a staff, and I got a text that said, um, my dad had had a stroke. And um, initial indications were it wasn't going to be that bad. Um, so I was praying, and I prayed, and I was praying for healing, and it's, you know, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Um, and so some people may think it's a coincidence. I don't, that this topic here this week. Um, I prayed all week for my dad to be healed the next day, the doctors did an MRI, and it, it, it showed there was catastrophic damage to my dad's brain. And so we had to put him on hospice on Thursday. 
And then uh, he ended up, he passed away last night about um, 11 o'clock. And so, yes, there's emotion here. It's selfish tears because I'll miss my dad. But I think he found the ultimate healing. I know he was, uh, amen. In the world's eyes, he was not really all that important. He was unassuming. He was an auto mechanic. But he was um, a diligent, faithful lover of God and a servant. He was a deacon, um, Sunday school teacher pretty much his entire life. He was steady, consistent, faithful. Um, He was a rock. And so last night, I'm pretty sure... He stepped in the presence of the living God that said, welcome home, well done, good and faithful servant. And he lived out um, something that I could only, I could read about, but I got to see it and I got to witness it. And I think God was able to use that and show me the character that he would have me to have. And so I see that God often is more interested in our character than he is in our comfort. And God's not cruel. He doesn't delight in watching us struggle. But um, as a staff, we're reading the the book Boundaries. I don't know if you've never read that. Um, As a parent, reading that chapter on putting boundaries in with your kids, I mean, that one is a hard one. Because I think it is so hard to watch your kids flounder at all. You want to come and rescue them. But the only way we often learn is by going through experiences. And if I deny them that experience, they're never going to learn. And this is kind of that same line. God allows these experiences to come into our life because that's the only way we're going to learn and develop the character that he wants us to. We see here in uh, 2 Corinthians, Apostle Paul is talking here. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we don't know what this ailment was that he had, but God was able to use that to bring humility in his life and prevent him from becoming proud. He was working on his character. And then in the course of praying and being told no, a switch flipped in his character, and now he is giving thanks in all circumstances, like First Thessalonians tells us, and he's celebrating the fact that God is stronger when I am weak than, woohoo, I'll be weak and I'll be proud of that. Because I want the Lord to be magnified through this. And so this is an example there again of where he's molding us. John fifteen eight, 
It says the Father is glorified when we produce much fruit, the fruit being fruit of the Spirit. It's when we are living out those beatitudes that we read here at the very beginning. And so in the midst of trying to develop our character through healings not happening, is there a chance that there's something God is expecting us to be involved with? Is is God expecting us to be moving? And I believe Scripture shows, first of all, He expects us to move in faith. Our examples from the Old Testament, you know, we celebrate Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. Well, the Red Sea didn't part until Moses acted in faith and raised his staff up. When the Israelites crossed the Jordan into the Promised Land, um, God said he was going to stop the Jordan and they'd cross that, that flooding river on dry land, but the water didn't stop till the priests who were leading this whole entourage got right up to the water and their foot was like going like that, and that's when the water stopped. So God wanted them to move in faith. So we get to the scripture. Matthew 9, 27 through 30. So in the New Testament, we see examples of this as well. After Jesus left the girl's home, the two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him. We do. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. And then their eyes were opened and they could see. So he was asking, he was trying to build their faith in the midst of doing this miracle with them, but he was looking for them to make a profession of faith in him. Again, in Mark 9, 22, a man is asking Christ to come heal his son who is demon-possessed, and he's describing it to him that the Spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him, have mercy on us and help us If you can, I think an interesting thing to say to the Savior, what do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The Father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. He's being honest. He he has some faith, but it's kind of weak. And he's asking the Lord to help him with that. And so through the process of doing this and being healed, his son being healed, his faith is being grown through it. But God expected him to do a little bit up front. We also see the opposite. So Christ, when he went back to his hometown, he went back to Nazareth, and the people there knew him as the carpenter's son, and they really weren't listening to him or having much faith in him and in who he said that he was. And so it says, and so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. There's an expectation of us having faith before the Lord can actually move in our lives. And in faith, kind of close related to this, I also think God is often waiting for us to move in obedience. He often did instant healings, kind of like those previous two that I just went over. But other times he wants us to move to learn the benefits of our obedience. We see here in John 9, 6 and 7, it's another blind man that he is healing. It says, and then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. 
Anybody squirming on that one yet? He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. So was there anything special about that water in that pool? No. He was just asking him to follow through in obedience and go do what he had asked him to do. Another example, again here in Luke 17, it says, as he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Again, it wasn't an instant one. They had to act in obedience doing what he had told them. And in the process of doing that, they were healed. That's the largest kind of grouping of, of healing that, uh, that Jesus had done. A lot of individuals in a crowd setting, but this was a whole kind of community of lepers that he healed together. And that kind of lends itself to this next point that I'm talking about, that God may be expecting us to move in community. John 17, Jesus was praying that uh, they be one as we are one, that God is always looking for us to be built up in the context of a community. Back to James that we started off at the beginning of this message with. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Um, At the beginning today, I talked those previous two verses that talked about calling the elders to come pray over. And we see that In the context of this whole thing, God's really trying to encourage us to be in community. The elders, in theory, have a more mature faith. We're bringing folks who may have immature faith alongside the elders to kind of help build them up in the context of community and to to work that healing process. We also see another example here from Acts chapter 2. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, healing. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, and all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So this is that Acts church we often celebrate, um, the early church, where they were all living as unto one accord. Um, they're living in fellowship with each other. They're in community, and they're experiencing healing in the context of humanity and building each other up through that. And that's what we're striving for with our emphasis on life groups here, is getting you into community, and that's where a lot of the healing process occurs. But that's also really what Celebrate Recovery is all about. And so today, I'm going to have a short video of uh, someone I would like you to listen to, Mr. Clarence. Everybody, I think, in this room at least knows who he is, if they don't know him really well. But he helped really get this church off the ground, uh, charter member, um, an elder for a long time. I think what 
I love the most about Mr. Clarence is that he remains teachable, even at his slightly mature age. I, I meet him at the YMCA about three times a week. He's walking laps on the track, and I always make a point to at least go walk a couple laps with him. If I'm lucky, maybe he'll tell me a story, and I can glean a little wisdom from a man who has a lot of wisdom. But he also has a lot of humility, but he's also a man who's suffered some loss. And so I had encouraged him to come to celebrate recovery and just see if maybe that would help him work through some of the things that he was struggling with. But I'll let him tell you his own story here in this video. Kind of like a team. Quarterback couldn't play a football game by itself. You got to have a line to block for him. You got to have running backs to run for him. You got to have wide receivers to catch the ball. And so that's why we are here. So in CR, you're with people who are struggling. You can reach out and grab your hand and pull you along when you need it. You listen to some of his testimony and say, man, it's good to be in people who are real. And open the door to you. You know, you, you begin to look inside your own self. I'm just, I'm like them, I've got issues. Something as much as losing the love when it, you know, you, you don't think about it, but it's, it, 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 it works on me. You know, I, I lost my wife of 61 years. I lost a son and I just got a turn of loose. And that's not easy. And you just realized that there's things that we need to do to unload that stuff because those hurts, habits, and hangups, whether we realize it or not, it, it can cause aggravation, it can cause you anger. But I need to do something. So that's when I you know, decided to take that eight-week course. And I think everybody, at a minimum at least, that eight-week course on of life healing choices. I can't do it myself. We can't do it ourselves. And we've got to lean on God. We've got to learn that, you know, we got to spend time with Him. I was, but I wasn't doing it, I suppose, from my heart. I was trying to do it from my head, and that doesn't work. And I had to get my heart, you know, going in the right direction. And you've got to understand we're, we're battling some principalities in this world that we can't overcome without God's help. And being in CR with other people who are struggling and on the same path that lets us know we're not by ourselves. Oh, we're all the same. You know, everybody, everybody got hurts, habits, and hangups, and you're you're not by yourself. And it's a place that you can go and feel free to speak, speak your heart. There's so many people out there who are in denial that they really need help, and we all need help. Everything you can think of to keep us from just turning the loose of everything. They need need to start off with that eight-week course of life healing choices. And, uh, that's that's just a stepping stone, the first step into the big picture. And the Bible tells us he stands at the door and he knocks. We got to open the door to him. He's not gonna force himself on it, but he stands there. And we can't do it without him. But if you're thinking about it, jump in there. It's the best thing they do for themselves, for, for their family and everything else. It's just good. It's sincerity that just, I love it. So if you see Mr. Clarence, you can encourage him and thank him for his uh, transparency and sharing that. So Celebrate Recovery 
is a structured approach to applying God's Word in your life to experience healing from any hurt, hang-up, or habit, and live out the Beatitudes through a community of support and accountability. Uh, we use the word recovery. Uh, we're really talking about reconciliation. That just didn't seem to have the same ring to it, so we're celebrating reconciliation seemed like a mouthful, so we shortened it to recovery. And what we're talking about is reconciliation with God to ourselves and to others. In Matthew 22, you know, Jesus said, Love God, love others as yourself. And so the order I just described earlier is important in that until we have the love of the Father and understand uh, His grace and mercy on us, we really struggle to have an identity where it's centered on being God's redeemed child. And then until that happens, we're really not able to love others because all I'm doing is projecting my insecurities and my shame and guilt of myself onto other people. And so that's kind of in, in order and for... A purpose. It's structured approach to applying. It's really a lot more focus on application versus acquisition of more knowledge. And so a lot of what is done is uh, practical kind of tools that you can use. For example, Ephesians 4.31 talks about getting rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. It doesn't really tell you how to do that. It just says get rid of it. And so using other scriptural foundations, we kind of help walk through a forgiveness process to actually download all that bitterness, rage, and anger inside of you. We have you know, a grieving process that we talk through that help people in those kind of situations. And it also talks to a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit. So again, that word recovery came out, so immediately everybody in the room thought drug addict. And there are about a third of the people that come are in that category. The other two-thirds are more of the grief or the life issues like what you heard Mr. Clarence describing to you. But it is for any hurt. Everybody in this room has been hurt in some way, shape, or form. That's going to cause some shaping things with you to cause you to have some hang-ups on the way that you approach different things. And it's probably going to lead to some unhealthy habits or ungodly habits in your life. So as a child, when you were separated from your mother, uh, she probably stuck a binky in your mouth when you got fussy because it kind of helped soothe you down a little bit. And then uh, you probably graduated to a teddy bear and a blanket, and then you might have sucked your thumb, and then we all became adults, and we found a different kind of coping mechanism that we all reverted to when we started feeling uncomfortable and that could have been a chemically based thing it could have been a shopping or a gambling it could be just trying to control things but many of us have some kind of soothing mechanism that we've been using our whole life that has become habitual that we're going to again try to look to break the cycle in that is part of what we do in celebrate recovery and then it's trying to live out the beatitudes it's trying to get to that place of character over comfort. So for my own personal story, um, I had struggled with some trauma coming out of my childhood. And then I joined the military, and I had some experiences in the military where I did and saw things that caused some more post-traumatic things that I had to deal with, and more trauma later in life as an older man. There's like a complex trauma is something if you want to kind of look into that. None of that is any excuse for the way I made poor decisions. I struggled with a substance abuse disorder as well as a way of coping with that. Um, 
And so the Lord finally allowed some discipline to come into my life. I got to a point of surrender where I think God broke that stronghold in my life with the addiction. However, he was calling me to be obedient, to take a small step in faith and obedience in the context of community with Celebrate Recovery. And I did not want to go. I was not going to go with those people. I was not going to do any of that. I was going to do this on my own. I'm the smartest guy in the room, and I'll figure it out. Well, I finally got up the gumption enough to start coming to CR about seven and a half years ago. And I got involved, and I was working through the process, and it's like the dam broke. Um, I found healing from a lot of that stuff that had been circulating in my head and, and the ways I was trying to cope with it in an unhealthy way. And so... I just want you to know Journey Church is sensitive to your mental health issues. Um, We are going to start a series called Triggered next month. Pastor Mike um, is going to be doing that. May is National Mental Health Awareness Month. And so in the interest of that, we think of triggered being something bad. Really, it's just a heightened focus. That's really what that word triggered means. It could be in a good way. It doesn't have to necessarily be triggered just in a negative way. But I encourage you to come back next week as Pastor Mike jumps into that. And really the focus is going to be on mental wellness. And uh, I'm looking forward to that and hopefully you will be as well. So as I kind of come to a close and start wrapping this up, why doesn't God heal everybody dot, 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 the way we want. Well, sometimes we're reaping what we sow. We are subject to His will. He's looking to to work in and through us and do something through us or those around us. And He may be waiting on us to move in faith and obedience or in the context of community to allow us to find that, that healing that I think we all want to. So I... I think the Holy Spirit is moving in some way in this room this morning. I don't know what you all have been struggling with. Maybe you have some resentments towards God. Um, Some people thought it was a coincidence that I was... My dad had a stroke the day I started this sermon series and he passed away the night before. I actually had to get up here and talk. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think God said, you're not going to just get up there and tell him about it. You're going to live it out. And I will never say I understand what somebody else goes through um, because no situations are alike. But I have a lot more empathy than I did in the past. So if you have lost a loved one and maybe you were holding resentment against God, um, maybe God's calling you to let that go. Um, Are you carrying hurts around that you've had for most of your life? It is possible to find healing from whatever it is that you've been struggling with. So please, I would encourage you as the verses in Hebrews here tell us, that is why the Holy Spirit says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. He continues on in verse 13. It says, you must warn each other every day while it's still today that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. I don't know if you know how a 3D printer works, but uh, basically it's a printer. I can 
kind of tell it to make whatever kind of object, and all it does is it just goes by and it sprays a layer. And so obviously this takes a little while to make bigger objects, but I, I think in the context of hardening of my heart is kind of that same way. Whenever I say no to the Holy Spirit prompting me, um, it's saying, go do this, and I go, no. It's like, go do that, and I'm like, no. I think it's like a 3D printer. I get a level of hardness that gets sprayed over top of my heart, and over time, that starts to build up. And God can crack that hard shell, but it takes more and more serious things to happen in our life to finally get our attention to do that. And so I encourage you to be obedient and act before the Lord has to do something. I've often heard said, God will never make you do anything you don't want to do, but he may make you wish that you did. And I know in my case that was true, and it took a very significant amount of discipline to finally get my attention. So for our next steps today, what I would say is, first off, do you have a relationship with Christ? That's kind of that ultimate healing we were talking about. It starts with a relationship. And you admit a need for God to start working other healing in your life. Or it may be He's asking you to act in faith and obedience to seek healing, encouragement, accountability, maybe in celebrate recovery. Again, tomorrow night would be a great time to visit, or maybe it's in a life group, or wherever the Holy Spirit is leading you. But what I'm asking you today is be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is leading you to go do, and don't harden your heart. If you would close your eyes um, here as we kind of come to a close. If that's you, if that's... Uh, Lord, I need uh, the ultimate healing in my life. I need you as my Lord and Savior. Much like I did as a young man, my dad led me to the Lord. He just used the Romans road. Romans 3.23, it says, For all of sin fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, That the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's really that simple. It's as simple as just uh, reaching out the hands of your heart. Lord, I know I've messed up. I've uh, sinned against you. Your word tells me that separates me from you. The only way to be reconciled back to you is to ask Jesus to come into my heart, to be my Lord and Savior. I believe he rose again on the third day, and I have hope of eternity with him. If that's you today, if that's the prayer of your heart, if you would just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Anybody in the room? Online, if that's you, please text uh, 94 to uh, my decision. I don't know what the Lord's moving in uh, anyone else's heart in here. If there's something the Lord's asking you to come lay down, if there's some action he's asking you to do, I would just ask you to be obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit is asking you to do. If that's you, would you just raise your hand for, I just want to pray for you as we close out that the Lord would give you strength and encouragement. Thank you. So, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your spirit. Uh, Lord, you love us. You love us so much that you will not let us stay where we're at, and you're going to continue to keep working on us. Uh, you that began a good work in us will carry it on to completion in Christ Jesus. Uh, Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I encourage you, uh, as you stand, the prayer team comes forward, and I encourage the worship team to come forward. Uh, come and do whatever the Holy Spirit is leading you to do.
here at the altar or in the VIP room in the back. Thank you.